0: Welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, the founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association, and today we have a little bit of a different episode. Normally we speak with our members and they're the guests on the show, but today we're going to be talking with our team. So today is going to be a conversation between myself and Emily Wells, our membership manager. Some of you may know Emily and have spoken to her um, if you're a CMA member and have done an onboarding call with us, or if you've attended any of our events. So, we're going to be talking about some of the issues, the top three issues that we see cannabis brands facing right now. And then we're going to talk about some facts and statistics, as well as some potential solutions to those issues. So, Emily, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Lisa. Thrilled, thrilled to be on this side of the podcast and um, <clears throat> being able to, to contribute to, to the conversation today.
0: Awesome. So let's get started and talk a little bit about um, how how we're coming to this information. So we speak with our members all the time. You take um, the onboarding calls. So when members join, they get a chance to schedule a call with you and you run them through, you know, what membership is about and their benefits. Um, but we speak with them, you know, I speak with them on calls, we speak with them at events. Um, And so we get a really interesting ear to what is happening on the ground in cannabis marketing and various different sectors. And we always try to, um, you know, work hard on our programming to make sure it's responsive to what's happening in the market in real time. So, you know, we plan our content and events in advance, but we also do it um, reactively based on what we're hearing from marketers and the issues that they're having. So um, let's talk about some of those things a little bit, but can you introduce yourself to our audience um, for those who may not know you just a little bit about, you know, who you are, um, what you do as far as membership management, and um, perhaps um, any other insights you want to add about what you hear from, from our members?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So as Lisa mentioned, I'm Emily Wells, membership manager at CMA. So I handle all things as they pertain to membership. Uh, scheduling our member programming, onboarding our new members, and like Lisa mentioned, getting in touch with them firsthand, uh, so that way we can learn exactly what their needs are and be sure that we're providing the the best resources to them possible. Uh, frequently, when I get on on new member or discovery calls, uh, you know, folks are always looking for <clears throat> education and resources, particular to cannabis marketing, but uh, especially networking. Um, you know, everybody is really uh, keen to the fact that their network is, is one of the most powerful resources. Um, and so it's really fantastic to see how our, our community engages with each other and, and uplifts each other uh, through, through their work and their knowledge. Uh, <clears throat> I know that lately I've been getting a ton of questions on these calls uh, as, they, as they pertain to branding. Lisa, can you let me know what kind of trends you've been seeing in, in Canvas branding uh, within the last few months?
0: Yes. Yes. So I would agree with that. And I think that brands are getting more sophisticated overall. So if we're talking about overall trends in the space, cannabis marketing in the early days. So I joined the industry in 2014. It was um, there was sort of a mentality that if you if you build it, they will come. Right. And even jokes that, uh, you know, why do you even need marketing in cannabis? It You know, it sells itself. And those days are long gone. Um, we are really headed as an industry more towards that consumer packaged goods model, that CPG model, which is involves sophisticated branding, um, you know, big CPG companies, Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, um, any of those, you know, typical things that you buy on the shelf. Um, often they're single-use items, things like Kleenex um, and whatnot, where you use them for a purpose, but they have really specific brands and messaging behind them. Um, and why I love the conversation around cannabis branding is because while the concept seems really simple, cannabis as a product, um, it is and it isn't in so many ways. Where it's not, you know, like like Kleenex or toothpaste, where you know it has one use people use it for different reasons and they have very different, often uh, very personal reasons for why they're using cannabis, you know, on that spectrum from, you know, medical to wellness to adult use. So when it comes to branding and the kind of the, the message and positioning behind it, you've got to consider a bit more factors than from some of these items that are a bit more or products that are a bit more straightforward. But overall, the trend around how to brand and that playbook is essentially the same. Which involves defining your brand um, from a design and visual perspective, um, getting very clear on your brand story. So, who does it serve? What makes your brand different? Um, you know, why your product over your competitor? And then making sure that messaging is embedded in all of your communications, again, from that design um, to your advertising campaigns, even down to that customer service level. Um, And so it is equally as important in cannabis, and I would say even more so to some degree, as cannabis gets even more competitive, it's an extremely competitive market at that product level, um, because there are so many SKUs in dispensaries and, you know, you walk into a dispensary and there's so many products to choose from. So a good brand um, from the design of the package to the communication that you're hearing from the bud tender can make the difference between whether you get noticed and sold or not. Um, So I want to talk about this a little bit, pulling some stats. I did a little research uh, before this from, you know, general advertising. So this is not necessarily cannabis industry specific, but some information I found. So Coca-Cola is one of the biggest brands we know in the world, and they spend on average of $4 billion on advertising each year. So that means that they're literally spending billions of dollars on that marketing and advertising, but the, the common thread is their brand. So they have such a strong brand that they're putting that much muscle behind it. Um, we sometimes say in the industry that the, the Coke or the Google of cannabis, you know, we don't even know who that is yet. Those market leaders today okay. may be different in the future. And it may not have even been founded yet. That company that might be that you know, market leader that's super recognizable may not even exist at this point, given how early we are, you know, relatively speaking in the industry, but we are headed towards that Coke um, sort of model and philosophy where big, big uh, brands are going to put big spending behind their branding and advertising as cannabis grows. Um, we obviously know there's very few, but there are, you know, multi-billion dollar companies in cannabis so we're not really seeing multi-billion dollar marketing budgets. That's definitely a ways in the future, but companies in cannabis now want to think about it with that long-term horizon and, you know, think about themselves as, hey, in the future, what are we going to look like? What are those budgets going to be? You know, and are we approaching and spending, and I should say more investing accordingly in the brand? Um, so, one of the biggest brands out there, Coke, they spend an average of $4 billion a year on advertising, which includes branding initiatives. Um, another thought I thought was interesting, and we experienced this in our membership, is that a lot of the brand is, particularly if you're a service provider, isn't, you know, it's not just the product or service that you are um, providing, but it's the customer service. So, those touch points go all the way down to that. You know, customer service level. It's not just the point of sale and that conversation with the bud tender. If that person comes back and they have an issue with the product, maybe they don't understand something or they have some feedback, that interaction they have with the person at your company is incredibly important. Um, so much so that uh, 73% of consumers love a brand with friendly customer service. So your customer service employees, they may be entry level, um, you, you know, they may not have sort of management decision making um, in their day to day, but what they are doing is still incredibly important and can be the lifeblood of your brand. So business owners and founders want to make sure that they're investing in the brand at that customer service level. So all the way, you know, from the top budget management decisions, but making sure that investment goes down to those on the front lines who are at the point of sale and handling customer service, right? I'm sure you've had some um, experiences as a consumer um, and as someone in a customer service facing role with that a concept of brands being loved and or uh, you know, folks turning on the brand when they have a bad customer service experience
1: yeah absolutely. Um, so you know at the consumer level, uh, whether I walk into a, a dispensary um, with friends who have never been or behind or in front of consumers uh, you know the, the a lot of the time they're looking for products um, <clears throat> that are low low grade uh, low dose you know they're really just looking to to learn about cannabis and their own personal experiences with the plant um, and a lot of times uh, the the branding isn't as well and effectively communicated to the frontline employees, those bud tenders, um, as, as the executives or decision makers who are making the branding decisions. Um, and so that sometimes gets lost in, in translation um, when it's when it's communicated to consumers. Um, but even as a, a customer service representative of sorts myself, um, you know, those those, seemingly small interactions with folks um, really make all the difference. And those light, those light customer service points, uh, you know, are, are really what connect you on a personal level to those people and ultimately establish that, that brand trust and loyalty.
0: Yeah. And we internally for, for at CMA we call it customer success, which I like that definition better, which, you know, was a recent pivot we made this year um, just within our own team, which is that, Customer service isn't necessarily in our business model um, one size fits all. There's different ways in which our customers need help but also how to help them succeed. but even that mentality of helping them succeed at whatever that level is is representative of a brand and a brand's values, and you know again sort of communicates that message um, at all levels of that inter- interaction and touch point and um, so, on the flip side, one of the other facts I found was that thirty three percent of u s. consumers consider switching brands after only one instance of poor service. And I know, you know as as myself, as a consumer of you know, all types of uh, goods and services that I find that very true, where even of sort of minor customer service infraction, you know, I just had to take my car in um, twice in the last two weeks for, you know, issues. Um, the second time, because something was messed up, the first repair that they did, it was like, okay, I'm never coming back here again. And even, um, you know, trying to work it that out with them has been a bit of a hassle. So it really takes so much to sort of build up that brand loyalty and trust and get that customer in the door, but it takes very little um, to undermine that. So You know, when cannabis brands are thinking about branding, it doesn't always necessarily have to be, let's put all all of our money in sort of that front-facing, you know, packaging design or pretty uh, advertising campaigns. It can also be, hey, maybe the best use of our investment in time right now is in that customer service or that customer success because it does communicate brand and our brand values. And that can go a long way, even if the product isn't perfect, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And Lisa... You had actually mentioned prior, um, you know, obviously we don't need to put a ton of money toward pretty packaging or advertising uh, to be able to really bring these customers in now and, and establish that credibility and loyalty. Um, but compared to CPG organizations, obviously budgets are, are much smaller. Uh, I think you said Coca-Cola had a $4, million, $4 billion ad budget a year. Um, and you had actually moderated a panel at the summit this year on Cannabis branded retailers' marketing budgets um, and and some of the issues they they face. Can you give us some insight on that?
0: Yes, and that's a great question because one of the main things that differentiates cannabis companies from um, CPG or really any other industry is related um, to tax issues. So there's a tax um, law or code called 280E, um, which is an old Reagan era code that basically says cannabis companies aren't uh, because cannabis is not a federally lawful product, if you're selling cannabis, you're not a lawful company in the eyes of the IRS. So therefore, if you're not a legitimate business, you don't have legitimate business expenses. So you can't write off um, certain business expenses, including marketing and advertising. So in any other space, um, you know, your marketing and advertising expenses are write-offs. And so that comes out of your your gross uh, revenue. So you only pay taxes on your net revenue. Um, Not in cannabis. You're actually paying taxes frequently on that gross revenue. So that top line, which means cannabis companies, um, since they can't write off their expenses, are often paying 60 80% plus in taxes, which is extraordinarily high. But what that means is that for marketers, it is tough for them to... uh, Kind of hash this out with their finance and leadership teams because leadership teams are often saying, okay, you know, this isn't an investment from a financial standpoint because we can't write this off. So if it doesn't um, succeed and we're not seeing immediate ROI, as in, if I give you a dollar, I want to see two dollars back in revenue. So if I give you a dollar for advertising and marketing, I need to see two dollars back. Marketing, you know, and advertising, it's a it's a long term play. There's a lot you do in the beginning of your business that establishes that brand and is sort of establishing that top of funnel credibility, but it takes a little bit of time to sort of to show that ROI. And because our e-commerce capabilities are generally limited in cannabis, it's not as direct as, okay, I put a product online. I set up a marketing funnel. I do some paid ads. And then I can see directly who converted from where you have to, Um, get that customer to walk into a store and, and, you know, purchase once they're at that point of sale. So, um, and, and so basically because of that, and because of 280E marketing and advertising expenses aren't, you know, written off at the end of the year. So there is more pressure on marketing teams to show that ROI and to show it early and to also make the case to their leadership teams of, Hey, the reason we need a budget and it's valuable is because it is going to show return over time. And it is important to establishing the foundations of brand. And there, you know, there isn't necessarily a right or wrong. Um, You know, both viewpoints are valid, but there is something to be said about that tension. And just the fact that um, marketers, you know, have certain goals and certain ways of approaching things. And often, you know, the finance team, does too and there needs to be a bit more communication a bit more you know sort of transparency and shared language between finance teams and marketing teams on how budgets are being spent and where that is showing return um and 280 reform you know, has much bigger implications for cannabis businesses beyond just marketing and advertising. That's obviously the lens in which we see it. And it's one of the main things that um, many of our trade associations and cannabis are lobbying for change on um, because it does really hamper businesses from truly turning a profit and being able to reinvest back in uh, their their companies. Um, But it is, it is definitely a contentious point. So 280E, if you don't know about it, definitely look that up. But in short, licensed cannabis companies have a difficult time um, writing off their marketing and advertising expenses because of it, which means their budgets are really, really small, if not non-existent. And we saw this in our research that we did with New Frontier Data earlier in the year um, on our digital marketing report, which is that the, basically the the overwhelming majority of cannabis companies are spending less than $50,000 a year on on marketing and advertising which um and even then that's that's kind of a big budget for for cannabis companies so you can see obviously compared to coca-cola's four billion you know that's a drop in the bucket a bit of an extreme example because it's one of the largest corporations um, but you you can see the disparity we're we're talking a definite big difference in zeros there
1: absolutely absolutely so <clears throat> with limited budgets um, and you know the, the internal debate between marketing and finance uh, but and the, the whole the whole rest of the industry is racing to the top to get their their brand uh, at the top and, and in front of you know the mainstream market um, what are some other you know small branding touch points uh, that are accessible to cannabis marketers to be able to you know prepare to to bring themselves to the top and and scale and even launch a new state.
0: So SEO is a big one. Um, And I I love this question because I we often get asked, um, I don't know how often you hear this, but I hear it all the time, you know, what is the best channel for marketing my cannabis? All the time. And I always say that that question is um, you know, you need to take a few steps back where channel is really a factor of where are your customers where are they right are they um are they on youtube are they on instagram are they on um you know print magazines it's and it's often a more complex question you know it's not just one it's multiple so so totally. we'll about it as far as an omni channel strategy but there isn't like a silver bullet to it. You wanna know where they are and where they're consuming information and then put out content in those channels accordingly. But SEO, I mean, we as people now do everything through search um, and through Google. And one of the uh, stats I found on uh, preparing for SEO, preparing for this episode was that Google currently holds 91.94% of the total search engine market share. So, and then followed is Bing, Yahoo, and a few others. But basically, over nine out of 10 searches are going through Google. Um, and I that's how we find information these days. So search. So optimizing for search is is a Google strategy, right? It changed SEO best practices change a bit based on whatever Google's algorithm is doing at any given point in time. But if someone says, Where can I find cannabis edibles in Denver, Colorado? And you're a cannabis edible brand, you probably want to be at that top of that search. So that's an SEO strategy and technique. Um, And there's multiple different ways to get there. SEO involves a few different aspects within it. So there's technical SEO, how fast is your website, um, basically how well-programmed and designed is it for Google to crawl the information and search it, but also how much content are you putting out? What are you writing? How are you optimizing that content so that when I type that in, Google says, hey, this is a super credible article. This is going to be number one on the top of the page. So SEO is done on your website and your website is an owned channel. You don't own your Instagram page. You don't own your YouTube channel. Um, Meta owns Instagram, right? Google owns YouTube. So they can decide based on their content policies to pull your page at any given point in time. Um, You know, before I did CMA, I did consulting. I, I, worked with a brand's YouTube channel that got pulled. It was a CBD brand. Um, And, you know, it's super common in this industry for Instagram accounts to get shut down and frankly deleted often. All the time. All the time. Um, And we hear from our members, you know, uh, it's kind of a joke, but a sad one, like desperate weekly, like, hey, what do we do when we get our Instagram account shut down? Um, Because you spend so much time building that up and building up that channel, but ultimately you don't have control over it. So your website is owned, you, you have control over that, you decide what content is there um, and you're the moderator of it, so to speak. So, and you know, web platforms are, are not seen um, any instances of websites being shut down by, by WordPress, so to speak. So you own that, you create that content, but if you're doing that well and optimizing your website um, for SEO, you have a higher opportunity to rank based on how folks are searching. Um, And again, so there's SEO for your site, but there's also product-based SEO, which is something that uh, we've been talking about more. Um, Thanks to Jeremy Johnson of Dispense App, one of our members who's brought it to our attention, how important this is for cannabis retailers, that if they really drill down to SEO on that product level, um, particularly if they have an e-commerce framework within their site, even if it's not, you know, that full transaction, but it allows them to sort of select in advance and then go to the store and do pickup. Um, Product based SEO allows your e commerce store to also rank based on those products. And that can be really helpful if you're saying, you know, where can I find, you know, Lisa's Edibles LLC in Denver? Um, So if if someone is specifically searching for my brand um, in a location, that sale is happening before they get to the retailer. They're doing that research before they get there. And then they say, oh, okay, Emily's dispensary carries it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go there and, you know, go buy those products. So SEO is huge Um, one, because you have a degree of control over it. If you have anyone on your marketing team who can work on this, it's something you can um, teach yourself. And there are some basic SEO practices that you can implement um, which I'll talk about in a second here. Um, And then again, at that product level, it speaks to the brand itself. So if you own a licensed cannabis brand, Um, and your retailers who you work with are optimizing their SEO at that product level, it can actually be very symbiotic as far as helping bring um, customers into their store by helping drive sales for your product specifically. So um, can't say enough about SEO. A few other stats I found is that 70% of online marketers say SEO is better than PPC, pay-per-click for generating sales. 63% 63% of all shopping begins online, even if that purchase itself happens in a store. So think about that. Over half, six out of 10, over one out of two purchases begin online first. So even if they're in the store, they were doing something before they got there.
1: And that, yeah, that go ahead. adds up. I, yeah, I, I, um, you know, regardless of whether I purchase something online or in person,
0: I'm definitely
1: doing the research online comparing it to competitors products, um, you know, really, really diving into, um, I know as a, as a Gen Z, it's super common that, uh, we shop brands, uh, based, based on our values. Um, and so it's uncommon that I I don't do heavy research before purchasing something.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, today's shoppers, we search online. We're all probably, I know I suffer from some degree of what might be called the Amazon effect, where I'm like, oh, I need something Absolutely. order it. It'll be here in two days. I don't need to go to any of these big box stores to get random items, whether it's office supplies or kitchen supplies. And so, um, and, and you know, I think cannabis will eventually get there as the laws start to change, but shopping does begin online. um, And, you know, definitely after the pandemic, like, we're, we're used to when we go out, we're very targeted about what we're doing. I'm not going to just jump store to store to see where's that brand. I want to find out where it is first. So product-based SEO is huge. And that online presence is huge um, as far as getting that brand visibility and meeting the shopper earlier in their, their shopper's journey.
1: Absolutely. And I actually want to take a moment. Uh, Jeremy uh, Johnson, who Lisa mentioned prior at, at dispense app, um, had actually hosted a power of product data for dispensaries, um, driving e-com traffic and revenue webinar. Um, we'll be sure to drop that link in, in the bio for this or the description for this, this podcast. Um, but really, uh, you know, I feel like all the time I'm learning new things about SEO and SEO feels so high level and really hard to to consume. Um, And Jeremy, Guillermo, excuse me, Marcus and Lisa uh, did a fantastic job of of really breaking it down into digestible um, tidbits. So we'll we'll be sure to include that.
0: Yeah, so, and this is a free webinar. So normally our webinars are um, for CMA members. This was a free one that we did and it was actually a repeat of the same session that we did at the summit. Um, back in June, it was one of our most popular sessions. Um, we had Dakota and uh, Jocelyn on that as well from um, Headset and Eclipse, but they they couldn't make the uh, virtual one. But we do have a copy of that, so we will drop that. Talks a little bit more about SEO, and we don't have the dates on the calendar yet. But Jeremy is going to be talking more about this subject in um, our CMA programming this fall because it has come up so much. So um, make sure you check out our events page to check those out. And let's see. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about SEO. We've talked a little bit about brand. Um, So, and to kind of just tie these two things together, branding, one of the best ways to do it is to have a brand book. So it's basically a playbook for what is your brand, right? What does it look like um, from that visual level to what is the story? And, you know, how does that translate at your products based on your packaging and in your customer service. So the more like anything in business, you can create a written document and SOP, you know, a brand book is basically SOPs for how your brand presents itself, right? It's your company's personality personified um, in these different ways and on these different channels. So creating a brand book is one way in which as you grow and you hire new employees, um, when you're small, you know, the brand, you know, for us, like we know it so well, it's, we're a small team, but as you grow and you've got more people involved uh, you want to make sure you're able to communicate that. So building a brand book allows you to sort of establish those guidelines. And we're actually going to be talking about that this month um, with Kat Wolf, who's the CMO and COO of Malix premium cannabis. Um, and she's a brand marketer. So she's going to be talking about how to build a brand book. For cannabis brands and retailers in a webinar so we'll actually go through the steps of how to do that and then for our CMA members who are listening we're going to be doing an ask me anything in the CMA Slack channel with Kat prior to that so if you have any questions about brand building or building a brand book she'll be able to answer them in that AMA and then we'll take some of those insights and anything that didn't get answered we'll be able to sort of additionally address those in the webinar as well so we will have those resources for you Um, coming up this month. And Emily, do you want to talk about when those are?
1: Yeah. So we've got that AMA coming up September 22nd. Like Lisa mentioned, that's in the member Slack. Um, So members, please reach out if you need a link. We'd love to have you there. Um, This is I think the second or third time now that we've done an AMA actually written um, in the Slack. But it's a great way to engage our community in a, in a new way. And um, I know that the folks who are in Slack love to, love to engage and, and interact in there. Um, and that actually between our AMA and our webinar, we've got a uh, branding themed virtual networking. Um, so in case you haven't noticed yet, our, our September theme is all things branding. Uh, so <clears throat> we'll be using our, our go-to virtual networking platform GatherRound. Um, for those of you who are familiar, it's a super fun, uh, interactive platform. Um, we'll have time to make seven or eight unique matches. You know, just enough time to quickly say hello to the folks you get on screen with, give the elevator pitch, um, <clears throat> and uh, we'll, we'll same thing. Come with come with your branding questions and get them answered. Um, and Gatherround has a great feature where we get to play some music videos. And we thought, who better? Then the queen of branding herself, Britney Spears, to be our quote unquote musical guest for our September session. So that'll be great. Um, and then September 27th is our, our how to build a brand book webinar. And like Lisa mentioned, uh, that'll kind of. Um, answer any questions that didn't get answered in that Slack AMA, um, but is also open to our non-members. So members, you'll just have to log into the website to to secure your free registration. Um, And non-members, you can also visit our website and purchase a ticket for $20. We'd love to have you there. Um, And that recording will will be sent to you after the fact, uh, along with all of the resources that I know Kat will, will load up as well.
0: Yes. And her agenda for it is we'll be talking about what a brand book is, Why having a brand book is essential for brands and retailers in cannabis. Common elements of brand books, logos, typography, color, palette, mission, values, messaging, tone, imagery, steps for building your brand book, laying a foundation, so setting objectives, knowing the ins and outs, establishing the elements of your brand, visual and verbal identity, as well as leveraging both qualitative and quantitative data, and then putting together the brand book. So clear, concise visuals and format types. And then lastly, she's going to conclude with tips for actually implementing it. So once you've got that brand book, how do you conduct team trainings, always proofing before you post and continue to make updates as your brand evolves, which is actually something we're doing at CMA um, now because our brand has evolved every year and, uh, you know, just like us and just like the industry and our, our network and our members. So be sure to check those out. And let's see. So before we go, I just want to let our audience know, again, um, reach out to us if you have any questions or feedback. Emily and I are going to be doing more of these, you know, shorter podcast episodes talking about trends that we're seeing, as well as resources that we've got for you coming up. Um, We'd love to hear from you. I can see your engagement on the back end and how many downloads we're getting. And we're super excited about it. We are on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer is specifically our podcast page. We're also um, CMA's page is at Canna Marketing. We're on Instagram, um, LinkedIn, we've got a YouTube channel. So these are recorded uh, live on video. So the video will be on YouTube if you want to watch us talk or any of our episodes. If you want to listen to the audio, we're on Spotify, Apple, basically all places where podcasts are streamed. Give us a like and a follow and a review and feel free to DM us. You can send us an email info at marketingcannabis.org. We'd love to hear about the questions and issues that you're facing in cannabis marketing. And perhaps we can do an episode, talk about some themes um, as well as some tools to help you out. And if you're interested in joining membership, you can reach out through our website or email Emily. Her email is membership at marketingcannabis.org. Our members get free access to all of the webinars and in-person events, um, local in-person events that we produce, our conferences, including the summit and our upcoming future of cannabis marketing, which our applications are still open. So members make sure to apply to that. Those are our TED style talks coming up um, early next year, but we're closing the application shortly. So if you've got an idea for the future of cannabis marketing, be sure to apply. Um, those events are separate, but members get reduced, uh, entry fees to them. And otherwise everything we do is filmed and recorded and it's put in our member portal. So you can log in and access and watch whatever you need at any given point in time. But again, we love this community. We love hearing from you so give us your feedback, let us know what you need, and we're going to keep working on putting out good resources and connecting with um, the best marketers in the industry to help you and your small businesses um, expand and stay competitive as things continue to grow in this very exciting space. Emily, anything Absolutely. you missed? Anything you want to add before we wrap?
1: Gosh, um, I think I just want to say thank you to our, our incredible community, um, your, your support, and Input uh, is what what provides us the opportunity to be able to to make episodes like this and kind of chat through just what we're seeing um, and make ourselves the the utmost resource for you guys. Um, Otherwise, like Lisa mentioned, um, my email is membership at marketingcannabis.org. And I'm more than glad to chat with you about all things membership or events or how else to get involved in our community.
0: And don't forget to follow us on social media at Canna Marketing. Um, I'm on social media as well. I'm at Lee Buff L-I-B-U-F-F on Instagram and at Buff 21 on Twitter. Also on LinkedIn, Lisa Buffo. Um, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, just put a little note, say, hey, I was listening to the podcast um, and I'll be sure to connect with you.
1: Amazing, All right. amazing. Thank thanks, thanks so everybody. Much for having me today, Lisa.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, looking, looking forward to the next one. Yeah,
0: well, I can't wait to do this again.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Party Like a Marketer. Follow us on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and on our website, thecannabismarketingassociation.com. Check out our website for more details and membership information. We'll see you next time.